0: You're listening to the weekly podcast from Solid Ground Church. We hope that this is uplifting and encourages you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. If we can be of any help at all, please visit us on the web at solidground.church. Now let's get to this week's message. Good morning, my church family. Happy Sunday to you. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Church Online. Uh, If we haven't met, my name's Bert. I'm one of the pastors here, and guys, I cannot believe it. This is it. This is the last Sunday I have to preach to an empty room. Next Sunday, I get to see your smiling, mask-covered faces. I guess I actually won't see the smiles at all because of... The restrictions we're putting on you, but we're so glad you guys are coming back next week and to sort of uh, end this time of isolation. We're talking about death because why not? No, honestly, it's these things where, you know, we as a church, we've been going through the gospel of John. We've been working our way through it, and I don't know why, but I just, as we were approaching John 7, I just felt like the, the Holy Spirit was leading us just to take a a little bit of a break, do this two-week series on, on one minute after you die, like what to expect on the other side, and then we'll when we come back together and do another series, and we'll get back into John. But, you know, if you joined us last week, you know, listen, we said, the, the whole thought behind all of this is this, that, that every single person, everybody is going to die. Yikes. And everyone is going somewhere. That is to say, okay, listen, when you and I die, like, whether we think about it or not, like, how much we think about death is irrelevant, because one day you and I will not be here on the earth. We will leave here, and and when we leave, we're going to go to one of two places, either heaven or hell. And last week, you may remember what we did was we talked about hell. We talked about okay. Listen, for anybody who refuses to follow Christ, for anybody who refuses to turn from their sin and turn to Him, listen, what awaits them? are is this horrible fate, absent of all the, the the qualities and goodness of God, forever? Now today we get to do the talk I've been looking forward to. As we talk about heaven, and you might go, "Okay, like why? Why? Why spend some time talking about this place that I'm uh, that I'm, I'm not yet?" And I think there's there's two reasons number one, the reason I really wanted to spend some time here is because listen the the longer that you're here on the planet like for for those of you who are who are younger um sometimes you have this experience, but, but like the the oftenness of it hasn't necessarily hit for a lot of us yet, but but the longer that you're here, the more people that you lose. I mean, like, like the longer that, that you are here, there are people that you absolutely love with all your heart who know the Lord. They go on into glory, and you miss them, and, and you kind of wonder, like, like what happened? Like, what is it? Like, what, what, what was going on with my love? And once they cross from here into eternity, or there are others who, okay, listen, like, you know, right now, like, let's let's just let's just say this, because, like, do you have a sickness in your body, and, and you're going, like, oh man, what's coming? Like, when I, you know, if, if the Lord doesn't intervene, if the Lord doesn't heal, and we believe that he, he heals, okay, but but if he doesn't, what do I, like, have to expect? And so I wanted to just take some time to, to let you know, like, what's on the other side of this as, as as spoken by the Word of God and our Lord Jesus. But that's not the only reason. Here's the other reason, okay, for those of us who, that like, that's just not where we're at. Okay, like, like maybe, you know, grief and loss, they're not um as, as fresh in our minds. Let, let me tell you why I want to talk about it a little bit, even just as believers. So let me say it like this. Um, how many of you, and you're to have to raise your hands at home, and I'll pretend that I can see them. How many of you, hands up at home, have ever watched a game show? Hands up if you've ever watched a game show. Okay, the guys in the tech booth, they've watched game shows. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever noticed, like, at game shows, one of the things they do, before you find out the game that you're going to play, what they do is they tell you what you could win right so like you know if you if you're watching the prices right they're like listen okay you're gonna be playing like plinko for what a new car right or you know, that type of thing or maybe like you might remember, remember years ago there was a show i think it's Maybe in, on in some form now, but it's really popular years ago. Called "Who Wants to Be a Millionaire?" Remember that show? Okay, like my friend, my friend Kevin was actually on "Who Wants to Be a Millionaire." It was really neat. And so, like he he because he wanted to be a millionaire. He knew if he played the game, he could be a millionaire. And so, you know, he's he, like he like what he did. Sort of going into being on that show was he began to study like crazy. He began to actually discipline himself. He wouldn't go out sometimes. He'd just stay home with history books and sports trivia and, and all these different things, like science books, just so that he could have a better shot uh, at all the questions that, that uh, he could encounter on who wants to be a millionaire. And, and here's why I'm bringing this up, okay? Because he knew what was at stake. He knew that if he prepped himself well enough, he stood a better chance of a greater return and re Lord, because here's a simple truth, and you should just know this. And if you're taking notes, write this down, okay? When you know the prize, it affects how you play the game, right? When you know the prize, it affects how you play the game. This is true. I mean, you're like with game shows, obviously. But listen, do you, do you know that it's true with your faith as well? Do you know that, okay, um, listen, when we talk about, listen, follow Jesus so that you can have eternal life, do you know what that eternal life looks like? And so rather than us just sort of telling you, do this thing, I want to put a face on it for you as best I can today for you to understand, like, what awaits you in glory. If you are in Christ, if you are a Jesus follower, here's what's waiting for you one minute after you die. And we're going to be going like over a lot of Scripture today. We're actually going to start, if you want to turn your Bibles, we're going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, let me just set this up, okay? So this is a moment where the, or, or sorry, 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Just click the thing on in the YouVersion Bible tab. Okay, here's just something to know. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12 is written by the Apostle Paul, and he reaches this moment where he's trying to explain his qualifications as an apostle to the, a church in Corinth, the church that, that he found it, and he begins to talk about sort of comparing it with other people who are bragging, and Paul's like, listen, i got lots of things to brag about as well, but I don't need that. And so he reaches this point where he begins to talk about uh, a guy, quote-unquote, that he knows, and scholars are pretty much uh, across the board believing Paul's talking about himself. It's kind of like, you know, you have a friend who's like, you know, I have a buddy who did this or whatever, but they're talking about them. That's what Paul is doing. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 2, it says this, I know a man in Christ, who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Now, let's just pause right there. Here's something to understand, okay? If you're like, third heaven, what is that talking about? As you go through the Bible, you should just know this. The Bible talks about three heavens. That is say, so like, like, when it talks about, like and, and depending on the context, you can figure out which one it is. But basically, if you're looking at a biblical worldview of the universe and the cosmos, they would say it like this, okay? Like, there's the earth that, that we're on. And the sky directly above us, you know, with the blue and the clouds, that would be the first heaven. That's sort of our immediate heaven, okay? The second heaven would be this, space and everything out there, all the blackness of space and the stars and the cosmos. They would say, like, all that stuff beyond our sky, that's the second heaven. But then the, the, the authors of the New Testament, they would go, listen, but beyond all of that, like outside of the universe as we know it, There's a third heaven. Now, I think this is really neat, by the way, okay? Particularly now, in an age where, you know, stuff like the Hubble telescope, and and we're able to discover that the universe is expanding, and we always go, okay, like, what's it expanding into? That, that, That this notion of something being outside of the universe, this was present in the Scriptures before any of us had a clue that that was even possible. And so when you find the New Testament authors, and they're talking about, listen, the third heaven, what they're talking about is this realm beyond the universe. And it's the realm where God dwells. And this makes sense because the universe is a created thing. God is the creator. It makes sense that he would be bigger and outside of the universe. So he says, I know a guy. I know a guy who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Verse uh, Second heaven, verse 2 says this. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. Meaning, I don't know if it, like, he really went there or was a vision or what. God knows. And he says, verse 3, I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I don't know, but God knows, he keeps reiterating, all right, verse 4, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. And I'll just focus on this word here that says inexpressible things. That's the Greek word aretos. And this is an interesting word, because what it literally means is, like when it talks about inexpressible the, word, the Greek word eretos means beyond description. And so you have Paul saying, listen, me or this guy that I know, what he encountered in the third heaven, he heard things that were too marvelous for the human ear. Now, just think about that. Because, listen, we live in limited bodies. We recognize there are sound waves and things that we can't perceive or what have you. But, listen, like what he heard was so outside, it's, like it's beyond description. And this is something that we find about heaven over and over again as we find descriptions of it in the New Testament, that basically it's outside of human paradigms. And so oftentimes what it is is it's 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 given analogies. And so you find things about, like, you know, big, buildings or city walls made of gold or or fine jewels or what have you. And it's not that, that those things may literally be jewels, but it's this idea like it's something incredibly breathtakingly beautiful, the way that the light catches it. And this is something we can sort of expect as we step into eternity. We're stepping into a place of immeasurable beauty. And we're stepping into something that's so outside of like of human limitations because listen, as great as our minds are, our minds—they're just tools for our souls to interact with our bodies in the world around us. But our minds also limit us. But when we step outside of this into resurrection and glory, listen—it's it's a whole new ballgame. New sounds, new colors. I mean, just think about that—like new colors you didn't even know existed that you couldn't perceive. But there it is and it's not just like like auditory and visual it goes beyond like just even in everything good that we experience i'll give you an example okay so saint paul in first corinthians first corinthians not second first corinthians there's a point where he's literally talking about the idea of love itself like, act, like just love, like what love is. And in all that, as he's talking about it, even the notion of love, this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12. He says, for now we see in a mirror dimly. I mean, like when we're looking at how we experience love here, it's almost like, you know, if you hold up like a, like, a, like a beer bottle and like, I don't know, welcome to solid ground. Okay, like you guys see the outline of somebody in a reflection, but you can't really see them clearly. You know, so like, listen, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face, now I know in part. He's talking about love. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And this word that we translate is fully known. It's the Greek word Okay, And it's, sort of, it's not just like a head knowledge, like you know, I know facts, I know baseball or football stats. No, epigenosco is an intense experiential knowledge. And here's what he's saying, listen, like, you know, like right now we have this kind of outline where we can kind of see how things are, but no, when we step into eternity and we step into glory, like even the idea, like what we experience with love, just as all parts of us are known by God, every facet of us is loving God, like we will experience that kind of love. We will know fully just as we're fully known. It's outside even like what we can comprehend with love. And you go, ah, that's awesome. And that's kind of the thing, though, right? This is so outside of how many of us have come to believe in or, or even have heard of heaven. Because most of us, we've been fed this weird Hallmark Channel version of heaven that isn't really grounded in the Bible, but it's really tame. And I mean, just think about it like, this, like it's, it's, it's almost boring. So like we, we picture like, you know, like and think of how heaven is usually portrayed in most media. It's like people, that are standing in the clouds, right? And you're like, are there houses here? I don't know, it's just like clouds, and they're all wearing like white robes, and, and sometimes they're portrayed as angels. And that's a huge theological uh, misunderstanding and not true. You do not turn into an angel when you die. You are still a human being. Angels are something else entirely. I bring this up because one time one of the worst things I've ever seen a human being do for really good intentions was I was at the, the bedside of a dying man, and, and, his, and his young son was there. And the grandmother said to his young son about, like, why dad wasn't going to wake up. He said, or she said, she said, well, listen, God needs another angel in heaven. And, and that's just so theologically false. And, and I, just, I hated, like, that being stamped on this young boy's life that basically, listen, like, you're losing your dad because God needs something. It's just not true. Like, you don't become an angel when you die. But think about also, like, you know, this, like, we, we, we picture, like, and what else is everybody doing in the way that we picture heaven? Everybody's playing a harp, right? And, like, what, what if I don't like harps? Well, you're stuck with one, or or the worst one of all, okay? How many people, like, like we? the way we hear of heaven is this sort of unending church service, right? Like, you'll get to heaven, and also, like, you sort of, you also have to wait this really long line of people, like, at the DMV to get in. But once you get in, it's just long, forever church. And I say this as somebody who does church for a living. That sounds more like hell to me than heaven, okay? But, but, all right, listen, here's the thing you need to know. Is there worship in heaven? Yes. Is it eternal? Absolutely, but for a completely different reason and a completely different experience, because here's the truth, and you should just know this as, as we're going more into the New Testament. Just write this down. Heaven is not boring. It's not. Like, like heaven's not boring. Like, like, like what we every good thing we experience here is just amplified to the nth degree in heaven and i'll give you an example okay look here's a description of of worship in heaven all right revelation like like as, as the apostle john he, he he's brought up into heaven he sees the throne of god listen how he describes this in revelation 4 and you tell me if this sounds like it would be something boring that you could sort of fall asleep to he says from the throne came flashes of lightning rumblings and peals of thunder just power exuding in the front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits, where also translated sevenfold, meaning you know, like complete spirit of God. I think it's a better translation there. Also in front of the throne, there was what looks like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. And we see how, like, John's just describing this beautiful scape. He's, he's using symbolic language here. He says, in the center around the throne were four living creatures. They were covered with eyes in front and in back. Verse seven, the first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Now, let's pause right here. You're like, John, what are you tripping on? Here's, here's what's going on here, okay? Because um, that seems a little freakish. So let me explain what these creatures represent. Okay, so you have the first one, right? And it, and it has the face of a lion, And the next one has the face of an ox and then a man and then an eagle. To us, we're like random, but to people in the first century to whom John originally wrote Revelation, they would have understood the the significance and symbolism of it pretty quickly. So to them, like a lion represented strength. They they considered lions like the most powerful beast in creation. So you've got this thing that's before the throne of God, and it it represents like the, the pinnacle of strength. Then like an ox, an ox represents the pinnacle of service, like the way that it's a beast of burden that carries things for people. Okay, so you've got most strength, most service. Then you've got a man, and men represent intelligence. So you've got the most intelligent thing in creation. And then on top of that, you've got an eagle. An eagle to them represented speed. So you've got the fastest thing in creation. So you have these four, like, beings around the throne of God, and they're covered in eyes, which means they see everything. Like, they see all over creation. So whatever they say, they they have the authority to say it because they can compare it with everything else that's out there. So what are these things? Okay, they represent, like, the the most strength, service, intelligence, and speed. What do they do when they're in front of God? Here's what it says. It says, verse 8, each of the four living creatures had six wings, and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. And day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Let me explain what's happening. Okay, This word holy, that, that's become a religious word for us, but really what it means is it means separate above nothing like it. And so you have these things that represent the best of creation. And they're just, like, as they continue, it says, like, because day and night, they never stop saying it. I mean, like, just, like, new thing of God and new thing of God just constantly being revealed to them. And, they, and whenever they see it, they just explode with, whoa, there's nothing like you. Like, wow. Okay, and this is the thing, because you should just know this, okay? Like, well, why are they screaming holy? Why are they praising? They're praising because the natural end of enjoyment is praise. Right? I mean, look, you eat a good meal. What do you do when you finish it besides post it on Instagram, weirdo? Here's what you do. You go, oh, man, that was good. And like, I mean, we're just why for when we enjoy something, we praise it. And you have these four beasts that basically they represent the best of all in the world. And when they see God in his glory, because heaven is about God, when they see the creator who's unfathomable, they're just, oh my gosh, I didn't know you could be so good. Wow, okay, that's anything but boring as like the God just continues to to bring something new about himself to to these, like the creator, the ones who fall before the throne over and over and over again. That's not like any church service we've ever been a part of because it's God's glory uneclipsed and it's better than anything that is ever in the world. And that's something I just want to realize, church. Listen, you should just understand why. Why are we in this? Well, here's why. Because forever with God is better than anything we find here. Let me say that again. Forever with God is better than anything we find here. Listen, man, here's the deal. Like, like, the reason I'm in this, it's not because I'm running away from sin. It's because I'm running towards Jesus. Like the like what I'm about in all this, it's not okay. Listen, I I want I want to like you know sort of feel better. I mean, it's no, like the one that I get to know that you get to know. He's so good. He brings so much love. He brings so much life. He brings so much hope. I want to get as close to him as I can. Listen, forever with God is better than anything you could find here why you endure here, because you know there's an eternal hope, an eternal promise that lies beyond here. And if I could just say this for for the one right here. There's some who are watching today, and listen, here's your problem, okay? You stop thinking about heaven, and you become miserable in this life because all that you see is what you don't have in this life. And and I want to just challenge you and probe at your heart, and also if I could just say it, encourage you today by reminding you This world is not your home. It's not. Heaven is. Like, your life is not about building a kingdom for yourself here. You're just passing through. Like, imagine, you know, I I like to go on vacation every now and then. I I like staying in a hotel. I think it's fun, you know. Um, But you know what I've never done in all the hotels I've stayed in? I've never, like, gone to Ikea and then bought additional furniture for the hotel room. Or decide you know, like you know what this hotel room needs? It needs a complete renovation. I'm going to put some things in here, I'm going to invest in this hotel room that I'm going to lose in a couple nights. You know why? Because the hotel isn't my home. It'd be ridiculous to make my life about the best experience in that hotel. But how many people listen like, you live the same way where you're pouring everything you can into this temporary life that you will eventually lose rather than the eternal one that is ahead of you. And here's what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5. He talks about like just what we are, and he says this. Second uh, Corinthians 5.1, he says, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in, I, mean, I just love that, like the way he, he refers to our bodies right now, like just our, like, our earthly bodies, he just calls them tents. It's this temporary thing that's, that's here today, gone tomorrow. If the, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God. An eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And be encouraged by that there. Listen to me. Um, for the ones who's like like, you know, my, my life is falling apart. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And as long as you're here, things are going to fall apart. And, and I hate that. And I, and I know that God is in the process of redeeming and restoring creation outside of of the brokenness, but the reality is, listen, right now, things are going to fall apart. But, but here's the promise, listen, for, for when it does, and I just want to say that for the one today who, who's lost somebody, who, who's going through grief. I, I just want you to know what they're living in right now, if they're in Christ, and also for you, the promise like, that you're not going to be in this forever, that the wounds won't be there for you. This is the thing I need you just to know. And this is just such a promise of the scriptures. Is that there's no pain in heaven. There's none. Here's what awaits you in the arms of Jesus. As, like the moment you step into glory and step into his presence, this is what the Bible says happens one minute after you die if you're in Christ. Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And look, this is the tenderness of God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things is passed away. The one who's had to watch a loved one waste away. Their pain is done. They stand in glory with Jesus restored. For the one who's walking in a season of grief, hold on. It's awful, but it's going to get better. And you have the promise that in the arms of Christ it definitely will. Because in Jesus' presence, there is no more pain. And you go, well, what do I do with that knowledge? I mean, okay, that, that's great. I, I know that's that's the prize, and so that's what I'm working towards. That's what I'm you know, going after. But what do I do with that right now? Here's what you do. First of all, you keep your eye on it. You keep your eye on it. Because remember, okay, listen, remember, like, knowing what the prize is affects how you play the game. And somebody who knew this really well, and you know, we've been reading his writings today, is the Apostle Paul, somebody who was routinely beaten for his faith, wrongfully imprisoned, lost friendships, lost family members, lost relationships. And um, there comes this moment as you, as you go through the New Testament where where this, Paul, this guy that God used in incredible ways, I would argue, who, without whom most of us probably wouldn't be Christians, Um he sits there basically rotting in a jail cell, awaiting his death. And he writes a letter to his young protege, this guy named Timothy, who, who you know, Paul is basically, he's, Timothy's a son to him. He's poured his entire life into him. And he, and he writes this, this, this book called 2 Timothy to Timothy, basically telling him, like, hey man, come see me before I die. I, I, I know I'm at the end, but I would like to just see you one last time. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul says this, he says, for I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. Look at this. Verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now I on the prize. There is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And he looks at the finish line and goes, I'm going to get to that finish line. I'm going to finish this race. And that's what I would say to you, listen to me, don't stop running your race. It's not the one who starts the race who gets the reward. It's the one who finishes it, okay? You've got to keep on running. Even though you're tired, even though your spirit's broken, even though you feel like you can't go on, get back up. Keep running because it's not about starting it. It's about finishing it. Let me tell you this way, okay? So about a month ago, my wife and I, uh, we, we, we quickly for a weekend, it was the least fun day trip ever. We flew down to Florida to help my sister-in-law move up to Delaware. We love like we love Megan. We're glad that she's here. But but our trip consisted of we, we flew down to Florida, slept, and then grabbed a U-Haul and like and drove it up the East Coast to Delaware. It was a 16-hour drive. Okay, and here's the thing about Pastor Bert. I ain't no trucker. I drive a Honda Civic. I am not used to a large Automobile, and so, "But listen, it's been entrusted to me. I'm going to do it well." And so, listen, you know, we we get in the, the truck and we're driving, and i got this giant thing, right? And I'm, and I'm and I'm going up I-95 forever, and I'm just praying to God, God, please don't let me hit anything. I'm so terrified. And like, we get on, we get on the Bay Bridge Tunnel, and like, can't, like, I mean, just bumper to bumper, and I'm like, I'm like, I see a car next to us with kids that are screaming who are as miserable as I am in this U-Haul, and like, and I'm just like, just don't, just don't, don't drive off the bay. Just burnt, like, just stay on, just stay on, right? And like, and like, and I'm sitting there. I'm, I'm on my edge the entire time. I'm, I'm, I'm paying attention. I'm very, very careful because this isn't my car. I don't want to be in an accident. I'm outside of my comfort zone. I've just got to make it home. And so we're driving. We finally make it, okay, we get home, we're pulling up to the house, okay, and out front, who should be there but my mother-in-law and my two sons cheering and waving, and I'm and like, they're like, yeah, mom and dad are back, and I, I almost, I'm, I'm cheering, to like, yes! And I honk the horn as I'm driving, like, eh, eh, yes! And I start to turn in the driveway, and I hit my own daggone car. I hit, <laughs> I made it from Florida to the house, and at the very, very end, I hit my own daggone car. Now, let's evaluate something. Was the trip accident-free, even though I made it most of the trip without an accident? No. In the same way, listen, if you watch a plane take off and it flies for a while, but then crashes. Is the flight considered to be a success? No, even though it may have soared gracefully with eagles. The crash invalidates said, it. No, it's not just how you start it, it's how you finish it. And I want to say this for you, because listen, here's the thing. Like, something that I love about like our, our evangelical culture and, listen, personal relationship with Jesus is we place a ton of emphasis on starting a relationship with Jesus. And we believe in that. Listen, we believe that anybody who turns to him can be saved. We 110% believe that, that it's not about you earning a relationship with God. It's about Jesus. He loves you. He died for you. He rose for you. And he will give you new life if you ask. And we place all this emphasis in the start. But here's the thing you gotta know. Just because you started the race doesn't mean you've finished it. And if you wanna know what do you do with your faith in this life and going forward, what you do is you finish the race. It's he who endures to the end who will be saved. That's my exhortation to you. As we talk about like what happens one minute after you die, hold on, run your race, go after Jesus with everything that you've got until the end. You go, okay, but I don't know that I can hold on. Here's what I would tell you. Here's what I would tell you. Number one, you're not in this alone. The one who began the good work in you will see it through to its completion in the day of Christ. And number two, you have the promise of eternal life beyond life ahead of you and that's worth holding on for listen to these words as we're coming to the end here listen listen to these words here I want these just to wash over us as a people today as, as we encounter grief as we encounter sadness as we encounter pain and hardship in this life I want you to hear these words of Jesus spoken to his disciples and spoken to us this morning John 14 says this Please just hear the close your. Where are we seeing? Just close your eyes. Picture the Lord just speaking this to you this morning. He says, "Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you," I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Do you know this morning that Jesus will come for you? you, Just let the joy of that seep into your soul. One minute after you die, you can expect to stand face to face with your Lord who gave his life for you. The same Jesus who ascended will come back for you. Jesus' disciples hear this, and in verse four, Jesus says, "Listen, you know the way to the place where I'm going." And Thomas, his disciple, Thomas said to him, "Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way?" And Jesus answered, "I am the way and the truth." the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This morning, for those of you who are in Christ, may this refresh your soul. For those of you who aren't, here's what I need you to know today. Not all religions are valid. Not all means of salvation are true. Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. You will not go to heaven apart from Christ. It's not about you being this great person. No, it's about Jesus, how he came, he died for you, and he rose from the dead to give you new life. And this morning, if you would say you don't know him, you're not walking in a relationship with him, let me strongly encourage you to hand your life over to him right now, to invite him into it to make him the way, the truth, and the life in your life. If you're curious how to begin that, like, okay, how, how do we do that? You ask. You don't know, how, how about we just ask him together? Let's just pray together. So if you, today you say you don't have a relationship with Jesus or maybe you walked away from one, you want to come back, let's just pray together. You come, on right, come right back, and here's what we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. God, I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for doing things that I knew were wrong. But I believe that you love me. And I believe you sent Jesus to die for my sin. And I believe you raised him from the dead so that I can have new life with you. Lord, I'm asking you, please come into my life. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to follow you. I want to be with you forever. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now listen, if you're on our online campus, I want you to know, listen, you haven't finished the race, you've just started it, and we want to help you take your first steps. So number one, online campus, if you just prayed to receive Jesus or come back, do us a big old favor. Let us know that you did that. Raise your hand by clicking that I commit my life to Christ button. If you're on YouTube or anywhere else on the internet, here's what I want to encourage you to do, okay? To continue your race, I want you to go to solidground.church slash first steps. There we've created a website to help you, help you go forward in your relationship with Jesus. It's all 100% free. We just want to bless you and sow that into your life. Guys, also, if there's any way that our church can be praying for you, any way that we can be there for you this week, please email us, hello at solidground.church. Let us know what we can do for you. Now, church family, at this time, thank you so much for tuning in. You are dismissed. Have a great Sunday. And next Sunday, we will see you for the doors wide open as we relaunch here, Solid Ground 2.0. Cannot wait to see you. Have a great week, and we'll see you then.